We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. Add over to Martin, joined as always by Sean Siegel, co-owner of Rotoviz, co-host of Stadium Bananas. The Stadium Bananas team have been knocking it out of the park, I guess I was going to say, this past couple of weeks, but this past year and a little bit since the show started, it has been absolutely phenomenal. Make sure you're checking him out over there as well, along with Ben Gretsch and all their great content that is coming their way. Recording this show today, we're going to be talking about some of Sean's potential players that maybe are better values than Najee Harris and Joe Mixon. We're going to talk about three undervalued foundation backs with extreme upside. Note on this, we talk about running backs getting injured. I'm putting in a little preempt here, Sean, in case anything happens over the next week. We are recording this ahead of time because I'm heading stateside. This show is going to be coming to you on the Tuesday. So hopefully all these players are coming to you fully healthy, fully fit, no issues. But just a disclaimer in case anything happens over the next week or so. And uh, But Sean, foundation backs are a key we do like running backs as much as people want to say we don't but before we get into the actual running backs how are you today good and i'm excited for you for your trip you're coming as you said stateside and you're going to be going to the fantasy convention yeah going to the expo up in ohio and it's going to be a, a fun a fun run so for people listening and I'll, I'll pretty much be ready to board my flight back from the u.s at this point on on tuesday but uh, heading over on Thursday, heading to Washington, which people will, if you're familiar with geography of the USA, which I am getting better at, usually <laughs> I know where the teams are. And then when it gets more, uh, you know, if I have to actually travel, I have to look around different areas. But we are going to, I'm flying to Washington, meeting with Zachary Kruger there, who people will know from the road of his baseball show and his content that he does around baseball and uh, many, many other things. But um meeting him there then we are doing a road trip up to canton ohio which is going to be a pretty long i think it's six hours and we're meeting up with conor driscoll there so draco and uh, we're going to have a, a good time but so many people that i'm looking forward to meeting up there curtis patrick will be up there there's a lot of other people that i'm very excited to meet so it's going to be a pretty a pretty fun time yeah that should be awesome i'm, I'm pretty excited for you guys anytime you can have a fantasy road trip you want to make sure you you get one of those going and i think uh listeners will be 
will be pretty prompt for you as well following in with those best ball shows and and that best ball gang is going to be fantastic column as you mentioned we do have some running backs that we're looking at today and this is sort of part two of an article that i started with the ezekiel elliott piece where we said can you find discount options for elliott with the range of outcomes tool and one of the things we talked about there were there are some guys who the roo likes and appear to be similar and yet we're much more concerned about those backs actually losing their workloads than we are about elliot losing his even though obviously one of the reasons you're looking for elliot discount options are that there are some risks there the second part of this looks at foundation backs so veteran foundation backs can we find some guys who are good values here and this is sort of the, the second year of doing this after last season we talked about Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Nick Chubb, and Miles Sanders. Those were the four guys that the range of outcomes tool really liked above where they were being drafted. And so the exercise then is to go in and say, okay, well, what is the actual context? Because the range of outcomes tool takes these backs, finds their 50 closest historical matches, and then gives you a sense of how those players performed in the subsequent season. I think that's very good information because one of the things that's difficult to do is to kind of calibrate your expectations for players at different skill levels and specifically at different production levels. What are they likely to do the next year? The range of outcomes tool is fantastic for giving you a sense of that. Now, that doesn't mean that the players are going to go out and hit those numbers. One of the things that we enjoy about the whole idea of range of outcomes is that you get a 25% outcome, a 50% outcome, a 75% outcome. You also get the average outcome. You can look through some of those elements. And one of the things that you can say is, you know, I, I think that this player maybe actually is even a little bit more talented than their matches, or I think that their offensive context is better than what the historical, you know, average would have been. And so I think that they're is the potential for an upside outcome or maybe the context is worse and so i'm worried you know what the downside situation might be but the value in taking information from a tool like this that doesn't know like if these guys were traded or if a player was drafted into their backfield or or all of that is just that you can see like if things more or less stayed the same what would we be looking at but again, that's also going to not be true of all the historical matches, right? Some of the historical matches had positive moves in their context. Some of them had very negative ones. And so you, again, get that element wrapped up in it as well. But last season, when we looked at those four players, and then we take in all of this other information from the other tools and from news and, and all of that kind of thing, obviously, we're getting reports from beat writers all the time about how these players are looking at training camp and you know are they rising are they falling is their backup looking especially good you factor those things in and you say well is it really a value or not and so last season we looked at this josh jacobs david montgomery those guys looked like values nick chubb i was saying i think the drafters have it right and then miles sanders was a player where we said you know draft him when he falls and so i think that's three hits and one miss right because jacobs and david montgomery actually did average just over 15 points a game and at their price levels you know that's very very good chubb actually only scored a little bit more than that so his price level he was a disappointment those are the three hits and then miles sanders obviously was not really able to either stay healthy or maintain a, a clear hold on enough volume to score points he averaged a career high 5.5 yards per carry we talked a little bit about how he's one of if not the best back 
before contact in the entire NFL. And yet, from a fantasy perspective, he was not a hit last season. And so three hits, one miss. We're looking forward now what other players might we find. And two of the, I think, obvious players you might be looking to pass on because the price tags are very high and maybe the upside isn't there. Najee Harris, you have this great workload last season, but it did decline down the stretch in part because he wasn't playing particularly well and in part because the offense made some adjustments. Joe Mixon, you have a guy where the offense is fantastic and he benefited a ton from that, especially during certain stretches last season. But we would expect that the offense moves a little bit away from the running game now that Burrow is healthier. And, and he's had some health complications the last couple of weeks, but hopefully he's going to be ready to go for the regular season. A little different kind of dynamic than the previous year where he's rehabbing from a very serious knee injury. Obviously, they've got those very, very talented wide receivers there. But then the other thing with Mixon is that there have been plenty of whispers that he may lose a lot of the third down types of works. I mean, if, if Joe Mixon loses more expected points from where he currently is, if those come out of his receiving EP, then, I mean, he's more of a third round type of pick. And although he does fall into the mid second fairly frequently, his ADP is actually lower than what I tend to see in most of the drafts that I've personally been in. That's still very pricey for the expected point level that he's at. And it's pretty pricey for someone who has never really come off as a star. I mean, he's a very solid guy. You can, you can run him out there as your starter. You're probably not going to lose a lot. He's going to get the yards that are blocked. He's going to occasionally make some very nice plays, but he's not a difference maker at running back. And so if he loses the third downs for a while there, Chris Evans was very trendy and then there have been reports that he's actually still well behind Samaj P. Ryan. And so that, that trendiness vanishes pretty quickly. Uh, by this time next week, when the show comes out, maybe that has flip-flopped again. We know that Chris Evans can catch passes. We know he's extremely athletic. I think one of the things that gets missed here is that, I mean, the gap in talent between Mixon and P. Ryan is probably pretty minimal. And so from that perspective, if he were to be the guy you know, Bengals offense is very interesting from the perspective of they're going to score a ton of points. The backup running backs there are going to be more interesting to drafters than the backup running backs a lot of other places. But from the perspective of Joe Mixon or Najee Harris, can we find some other guys who either are less expensive and can give us the same production or are similarly expensive but can blow those guys out of the water? Yeah, so just to go back to it again, when we look at the running backs that are going in the comparative area, so we have Jonathan Taylor obviously running back one, we have Christian McCaffrey running back two, Austin Eckler then is kind of the consensus number three, but then you do get into that range where Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook are in the mix, and obviously Saquon Barkley's getting himself right in the mix by ADP at the moment, but it is a case that comparative wide receiver talent or tight end talent that you can draft at the back end of that first round, particularly at the FFPC, which would be tight end premium, that would obviously give them an edge in that format, but wide receivers in particular as well joe mixon and Najee harris don't really fit the profile of the guys that could go in and absolutely blow away i think the rest of the league or the players at that position but in recent weeks sean the first name that i want to mention here and this is something that i didn't think that we would be talking about in 2022 particularly six weeks into the 2021 season 
is that Derek Henry is an absolutely insane value at this point in time based on where he's going in the, the mid-second round rate. So we obviously love Barkley. We love DeAndre Swift. Then there's we talked last week about uh, Aaron Jones and why we're not drafting him. Javante Williams is somebody we like, but feels like now with Melvin Gordon, they're maybe starting to get drafted at the high end of his range of outcomes without injury to Melvin Gordon. But Derek Henry, you mentioned the tool doesn't know if they drafted somebody else, what the situation has changed. Derrick Henry's coming back from an injury, which is a concern. But outside of that, Derrick Henry is pretty much in the same situation outside of having um, you know, a different wide receiver playing as the wide receiver one on the roster. And also they do take an, uh, a secondary wide receiver who may be better than what they had at the number two in Robert Woods. But Derrick Henry going in the mid-second round is something that is quite interesting. And if we look back to the ADP in terms of around may time and this is an underdog in particular but he has dropped from kind of the range where we would see austin eckler going at the kind of six seven eight range all the way now into the mid second round I- i'm surprised by that obviously but uh how do you feel about derrick henry and did you think we would be trying to tell people to draft derrick henry based on how great of a value he is when he's probably not going to catch that many passes in 2023 yeah i mean this is a weird one right because we have been so invested in pass catching running backs for so long and that's always been where the advantage lies and yet this season i mean it's almost like everybody who didn't want to draft henry but felt like they had to because he had scored a lot of points in 2019 and 2020 that there were still enough drafters who felt that last season that it kept his price up and then he goes off and he has these magical eight games where he's scoring at levels that are you know similar to say a Le'Veon Bell or a peak David Johnson to where you're getting that combination of rushing EP and receiving EP and a little bit maybe value above that Henry was able to do it without the receiving EP. Now he did catch more passes last season and that was valuable to him, but the workload was absolutely insane. And then he gets hurt and you get this impression that everybody is so relieved that they now have an excuse that there's no longer this pressure to take him in that range that they're letting him drop. Everybody's so relieved that they got bailed out last season. And that would include us, right? That he's now falling. And yet when you look at what he's done over those three seasons, it's now in this point where he's a historically good player, right? I pulled up using the road of his screener, the year four to year six numbers for the best running backs this century. So starting back in 2000 and purely from a rushing perspective, nobody matches Henry's 115 yards per game are 11 more than Sean Alexander at 104. You've got guys like LaDainian Tomlinson and Edger and James in that 98 and 88 range. You do have a couple of guys in Jamal Lewis and Maurice Jones-Drew who were able to get up there over 90, but the touchdown levels were much further down. Now, LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Alexander actually scored more rushing touchdowns per game, which is interesting. It shows that as good as Henry was, I mean, it's not impossible to go through a three-year stretch and score a rushing touchdown per game. I mean, other people have done it in the past as well. But then you look at the PPR numbers, it's, again, not a surprise when we're looking at it from a rushing standpoint that the other guy with him there was Sean Alexander, who managed to match the rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. Ladinian Tomlinson blows them out of the water because he also had the receiving on top of that. If you look at the receiving as well, which it wasn't what I was pulling up with the screen, you're going to find some other guys who also score well. 
but a player from a rushing perspective who's really sort of unmatched in that year four to year six range. It's also important then when you look at kind of the last two years and what are the actual EP numbers? Because one of the reasons why we are so focused on the receiving EP is that you need that in order to be able to get up to where you can actually be the sort of legendary type of runner, right? You need to get into that 18 to 20 range and then you need to have the ability to add sort of four points over expectation, do something to that effect in order to be able to really outperform because to get, I mean, again, we're talking about running backs who are legitimately viable in the first round. You need to have a season with 23, 24, 25 points, at least in your range of outcomes. Most of them aren't going to hit, but if you're drafting players who don't even have that as their upside, then you're losing the first round, which obviously sets you up to lose your league. Only three players have played in at least 20 games and had 18 or more expected points per game over the last two years. Those guys are Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry. Obviously, Cook and Kamara also rising now as it looks much less likely that either one of them is going to deal with a suspension type of injury. Now, all three of those guys are old for running backs. <laughs> They're young compared to me. But that also introduces some concern there for drafters. But those are the three guys. And then you have this big drop off to the, just, the Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery area. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that we shouldn't be looking at other players or look, shouldn't be looking at players who did well specifically in 2021, the most recent year. But when you look at that context, it really hammers home where Henry is compared to other backs. You look at his fantasy points over expectation over the last three years, and he's at 4.4 per game. Again, the only way that you accomplish that is if you're a superstar. And then there's that contrast between what Henry did last year and what Cook and Kamara did, where they both had big declines in that area. Now, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be lesser talents in 2022, but it was another one of the factors that we were concerned about for Ezekiel Elliott, because you do get into this risk area where if you start chasing a player like a Le'Veon Bell, a David Johnson, a Todd Gurley after they're done or after they're in decline, then you know maybe you get a solid season from somebody at some point. But again, you're basically losing your league. And so from that perspective, we look at Derrick Henry and the level of stardom means that we can't look at him the same way that we look at other run heavy backs. And the point that I made in the article and on the show about Jonathan Taylor saying, you know, whatever you're willing to pay for him, you should probably pay more. Basically, that means you should probably be looking at him as the 101, even with guys like Christian McCaffrey and Cooper Cup, obviously Cup falling a little bit recently with the concerns about Matthew Stafford's arm. I mean, Cup's value changes very significantly if Matthew Stafford isn't able to go out there and sling it. But when we look at those couple of guys, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, there's a big gap between those players and the rest of the NFL and Henry and the offense, the way that they've run that they've demonstrated that they can get the fantasy value out of it. Now, again, without the receiving value, you know, do I want to take him in that same range with Taylor and McCaffrey? I definitely don't. And you mentioned underdog ADP I and mean, he slid from, you know, in the, the five range to now in the nine range, the, uh, the league or the price that you were mentioning where he had really uh, dropped through was the pros versus Joes that 
Ben and I participated in recently where he almost got back to us at the 209, which is going to put us in a little bit of a bind because again, I mean, we really wanted to take T Higgins there and because he did finally go one spot ahead of us, we were allowed to take T Higgins, but that would have been a tough choice. I mean, Derek Henry in the late second, I mean, you're talking about the Terminator, right? And so I think that Derek Henry is a player that you do have to feather into a few of those teams. Blair Andrews and I just took him in round three of an FFPC Superflex league that we're participating in. Blair and I actually have a couple of shares of him in Superflex where he's just kind of weirdly the way those drafts fall out. He's actually, I think, even slightly more viable in those. And partly, again, if you're listening to the show and you're trying to get those little edges by format, the FFPC Superflex format, because the Superflex takes one of those flex positions, those top running backs are a little bit more valuable there. And so that's one of the reasons why we have been adding him in that Column, you and I have never been big Henry drafters. Are you taking some Henry this season? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and specifically if he's starting to get into that, I would even say after the fourth pick of the second round, it becomes very, very hard to pass him up. And we've talked a few times about when you're drafting at the back end off the first round, then that second round pick can become very challenging because sometimes it does feel like you may even be looking at you know do i go and reach for t higgins at this point you mentioned getting him at the the back end of the draft so i do think he is very very much in play the other thing with him is like when we look he played eight games last season before he got injured he had almost a thousand yards in those eight games so he had 937 yards 10 touchdowns but the other part of it is he had almost tied his career best in receptions at that point. So his career best is the season before with 19 receptions. Then last season, he had 18 receptions at that point. Now, he did have a much higher catch percentage based on his targets. But through that point of the season, kind of the halfway mark, he would have been on pace for his best targets and receptions for the season. So if, if it's a case that he ends up in this offense getting know maybe 40 receptions like it's just a it's a different ballpark and we're looking at with derrick henry again we have seen him when he has the ball in his hands at times be he's, he's hard to take down from a rushing perspective but a receiving perspective if he can get 
through the line of scrimmage and get the ball. I think that makes it very interesting. So I think that out of the guys in the, this list, he is the one that you have to pay the most for. But I also think that you're getting a discount on him. The one concern, obviously, is that he's age 28 this season, so a, a veteran running back. But I do think with the stuff that you laid out, he is more into that legendary running back, all-time great running back style that I think it makes it very hard to pass him up. Sean, the next two guys we're going to hit on the list here, I'm going to let you take which one you want to go for first. These are guys that I, I tend to not draft very much, and that is probably going to come back to hardest. One of them is Leonard Fournette, who really crushed us last year because he was somebody we weren't drafting. We were kind of fading him. He had a, a mega, mega season last year, put up so many points in that Tampa Bay offense. He's back with Tampa Bay this year. The other one is David Montgomery with the Bears. Um, which do you want to hit first? Well, let's look at Montgomery, right? I think that, I mean, both of these guys are fairly controversial and tricky players to draft. Listeners may be thinking, well, I mean, if they're going to tell us to draft Eric Henry, maybe they'll just tell us to draft anybody. But we look at Montgomery here and the way that, and the reason that he jumps out is that, and I pulled together five other names just to give some context from the tool here, right? So the average that the range of outcomes tool is giving again based on these historical matches for joe mixon is 14.9 alvin Kamara 14.8 nick chubb 14.4 aaron jones 12.8 and ezekiel at 12.7 and you're probably thinking to yourself well that just feels a little bit low if i look at the high numbers that's a little bit more in line with what i'm thinking but then i mean the high numbers you know 18.1 for mixon 18.3 for Kamara, 18.3 for chubb i mean just think to, back to where we were a second ago where only three running backs over the last two years have been able to average 18 expected points per game. I mean, you're really getting up there, right? And so the median or the average numbers, I get two different sets. You can see both of those in there are going to reflect more of it. And one of the things too, again, just for calibrating expectations that is always very helpful is you can go in and you can look at the year over year outcomes in the chart and just see how, I mean, the vast majority of the players decline which again is what we'd expect. Now, some of the matches do ascend and those are obviously the ones that you're hoping to hit on as a fantasy drafter, but just being able to understand what the normal range has been gives you a better sense. You tend not to reach as much, or at least you have the right context when you're going in and trying to figure out, well, which players do I think are going to rise? Which players do I think are going to fall? Where are the risks? And again, it's not that you're going to be able to accurately predict the 2022 season but being able to price the scenarios properly in your own mind is so crucial to being able to draft in a way that gives you the most upside exposure at the least total price so we go back in there and we say okay those are the numbers for a range of interesting players for montgomery the ppr average is 14.6 right so he's above chubb jones and elliot and you're thinking to yourself okay well the prices are very different because basically every member from the rest of that group, other than Elliot, is either being drafted in the second round or is right at that two, three turn. Now, Elliot falls outside the first or the top 35 picks in both FFPC and underdog formats right now in FFPC. That's specifically best ball as well. But he's in that 40 range. Again, 10 to 15 picks more expensive than montgomery and so you're thinking i mean montgomery looks like this smash play and we have recommended montgomery once in the past the 
strength of schedule streaming tool heading into the final 40% to a third of the 2020 season said, you know, you may be a pretty big time skeptic about the talent level for Montgomery, but he is a starter and he's about to go on this run of incredibly easy rush defenses. It's probably worth putting out some trade feelers. He did then explode, and that basically has been the thing that's held his career together. Now, he was pretty solid again last season, but Colin, when we look at Montgomery and we contrast him with the rest of that group, even though the range of outcomes tool likes him, even though he's probably the starter for the Bears and all starters do have some value. We talk a lot about actually fading a big chunk of the starters, but they're going to be price reasons for some of those things if you have a starter who is extremely discounted the fact that they are a starter is relevant but i've mentioned three pretty big red flags for me with montgomery which ones of these pop out to you as problems and uh, so to make a, a long story just a tiny bit shorter i do recommend still passing on montgomery but column is that the wrong way to look at it would you be interested in taking some montgomery knowing what you know about his workload and seeing what the range of outcomes tool is telling us here i i think i'm the wrong person to ask if i should be changing your opinion to draft david montgomery uh, he feels to me like the prototypical dead zone running back i think he could get squeezed out from a couple of different ends you know tristan ebner's there now khalil herbert's there i'm kind of targeting this offense from different ways rather than going for David Montgomery. The biggest challenge for me with him, and I talked about Derrick Henry and who I am willing to take some stabs on, on Derrick Henry and, and take him in drafts based on the other players going around him and that opportunity cost. When we look at where he's going, kind of round four range for David Montgomery, and he's going around some very talented other options, particularly at wide receiver, the likes of Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, are guys that I'm kind of targeting in that range. And then you're also getting into the, you know, if you're taking him there, maybe you see a situation where Brees Hall might slide to you, Gabriel Davis is there, DK Metcalf. It becomes a very challenging thing to pass up on, on those wide receivers and you even get down as far as Rashad Bateman. So that's one of the reasons I'm not. I think he could get squeezed out in the, the Bears offense this year. So lots of concerns, but he feels a little bit like the guy that's going to turn out to be the, the true dead when running back here. The other one, Sean, is Leonard Fournette. I don't know if you're... How much you can go into it emotionally? Are you able to uh, draft Leonard Fournette in 2023? I have not drafted him again based on the the players going. Like I, I've talked about it, he's kind of going in a similar range to the likes of T Higgins, and I just probably at this point I'm vastly overweighting T Higgins. But those are the kind of players and the wide receivers that are available in that range that I'm drafting over Fournette. But he is set up again in an absolutely fantastic situation in Tampa Bay. I'm playing the, the Rashad White side of that backfield, and that may not work out for me this season. But are you willing to take Leonard Fournette based on the information that you've seen in the range of outcomes tool and then also pairing that with where he's currently going in ADP and the players that are available at that same selection? Yeah, so we have the the three red flags on Montgomery. Cool stuff with the advanced stat tool, with the game split tool, uh, with the player stat explorer so jump in there and take all of those uh column didn't pick any of the specific red flags but did point out that it just doesn't seem like montgomery is going to play enough and when i say seem like we have plenty of evidence in the article talking about that going to fournette i mean fournette column i mean he's he's our nemesis it feels like after last season and yet thankfully our nemesis didn't actually 
cost us, right? If you can have a nemesis who is a thorn in the side, but not someone who destroys all of your leagues, then I think that is the way to play it. But Leonard Fournette, 14.4 in terms of his average, Mixon 14.9. These guys are going about around apart. And when you're talking about the two, the one two turn versus the two three turn, that's a pretty big deal. Now, this same specific drafter is really not going to be deciding between Mixon and Fournette in many cases, because again, you're talking about you know one drafter who has a slot probably in the nine through twelve, the other drafter probably who has a slot in the one through four, maybe in some formats you have to take him in the second round as it wraps back to you some you may get him falling through into the third but either way it's not necessarily the same drafter who are looking at these guys but it is relevant that you are probably getting a pretty good discount especially when we look at the high outcomes which i think are relevant for Fournette because he's with tom brady and the buccaneers there is you know virtually no difference you have 18.1 for mixon 18 for leonard Fournette, and so that gives you outcomes that are more in that deandre swift saquon barkley range and we're talking about upside outcomes i mean obviously already Leonard Fournette scored extremely well and beat those guys last season i do go through here and talk about the fact that Fournette's combination of personality and efficiency hasn't done him any favors throughout his career how uh, his negative 44.5 fantasy points over expectation over his first four seasons were among the worst in the nfl obviously he gets released by the jaguars he almost gets released again by the Buccaneers. Those types of things are not true about Nick Mixon. And yet, I mean, Fournette is a 230-pound do-it-all hybrid, never has to lead the field. Once he gained control of Tampa's backfield last season in week four, he averaged 18.4 expected points per game. That's two points more than Mixon at 16.3, right? You look at these guys in the advanced stat explorer, and you see that specifically last year, they were very similar where Mixon was at 2.6 after contact, Fournette at 2.5. Fournette still averages more because he was better before contact. He had a better broken tackle percentage. That gives him a better evasion percentage. Both of these guys are in the range where they're more or less just guys. Now they're starters who are just guys, which at NFL level means these guys are unbelievable, (laughs) right? So to say that they're just guys is obviously wildly unfair. And yet in the fantasy football running back pantheon, I mean, they're not in that Taylor Henry McCaffrey type of range that we were discussing earlier in the show. And so that, that does make a difference. And yet the other element that we have here is that Fournette has more upside ability with what he can do as a receiver, the type of profile that Mixon and Fournette have, that's not a profile that works because you're just going to be overdrafted, right? I mean, you're not maybe in the dead zone, but you're the, like the, round one round two equivalent of a dead zone guy because you're being drafted and your ceiling isn't there now that doesn't mean that you couldn't be a contest winner i mean joe mixon had very good numbers in some of the specific formats last year because he timed his big games properly and so there may be some formats in which you're thinking to yourself okay the overall production isn't going to be there but i know i'm going to draft a good team and if i get there with a good team in week 16 week 17 then i want someone like joe mixon who's on the cincinnati Bengals, and you could have a three touchdown game i mean not all running backs even good running backs have that upside because their offense just isn't going to deliver them down there over and over and over in the span of one contest but we really want to be looking at these backs who can get over seven receiving ep per game again joe mixon is not the type of talent who has 
Derrick Henry's ability to do that purely as a runner because there's no NFL team that's going to give Joe Mixon that many touches. He's just not that good, right? When we look at Leonard Fournette, he's been above 8.5 receiving EP in two of the last three seasons. And that's crucial when we think about what the total EP can be. And then if you're thinking specifically Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you think to you know the Super Bowl, you think to the playoff run that they had. The Buccaneers, another team where specifically in a, from a one-game perspective, are also pretty interesting. Because if you said, well, you know, a, a running back scored four touchdowns in Week 17, there aren't that many teams where you're like, well, I mean, I could see that the Buccaneers could get down there and could hand it off to him four times around the goal line. So that part is relevant as well. You talk about Rashad White. Rashad White probably has even more upside, although specifically for the Buccaneers, I mean, they are going to be very focused on winning right away. And so rookies, even very talented rookies, are probably going to have some issue in their offense. It's definitely not the case that Rashad White would be locked into all of the touches if Fournette were to go down. But when you're drafting your teams this year, Colin, it does seem like in most drafts, you do want to have exposure to some buccaneers running back and i mean unless you feel comfortable going very very high on white and his price is still high enough that going high on him means you're going to be missing out on some other players you need exposure to him if he were a 17 18 19th round draft choice it would be different Colin, i point out in the article that i probably won't be drafting a lot of leonard fournette i just can't bring myself around to it but i think that the argument is there i mean i not drafting Leonard Fournette and not drafting James Conner when they're basically at a, a round discount to you know what they've done in the past and what their offenses suggest that they could do this season, that feels like a mistake. And so Fournette, Henry, the two guys here that I was recommending, David Montgomery, still probably not the choice that you want, even though, again, he's quite a bit less expensive than those two guys. Colin, in terms of your team's and obviously adjusting for price i mean we have to factor in <laughs> that derrick henry is at the one two turn Fournette at the two three turn and montgomery you know a, a round four round five type of pick how would you rank them in terms of your priority for drafts uh, i would definitely be derrick henry and then if i had to i would draft leonard Fournette, and then last if it was a real i, I don't know how I, I just don't think i'll have any david montgomery you know i will sometimes have i think i'll dabble in and get some Leonard Fournette on those rosters but yeah it's not really happening I, th I thought we were doing well here Sean you you've got me to come around to send that Derrick Henry should be drafted in 2022 I think I've like that's a that's a big win yeah that is that is a big win I right now it looks like David Montgomery may come to me at the 7-11 in the Apex Experts League are you drafting David Montgomery at 7-11 uh, maybe then you start to get interested and i have seen the board for the experts league it is uh i think it tells you a little bit about you know how the drafts and adp is changing and how people are coming along to that it's, i think then when that comes out i think you'll see more people tailing that information i've seen people looking from jj zacharyson was the person i seen who tweeted it out and I've, I've seen people asking for updates and things like that so um maybe at the 7-eleven sean but it would really depend on who's there and the answer is probably still going to be no the last time that we had a draft like this in the apex experts league was 2016 and it was the massive reaction to the running back apocalypse 
2016, the only really strong draft for a running back heavy approach in the last six, seven seasons. Colin, one more bold prediction for you before we go. Are you saying 2022, the new 2016 or no? No, it's not going to be. It's going to be the the year of the hero RB. I think that's what we're going to go. We'll set we'll settle for the that there the the modified zero RB drafters will be happy. I love it. I love it. it so uh, looking forward to drafting more teams. Maybe drafting more Derek Henry. I'm, I really enjoy talking through that portion of it. We'll see how the rest of it all plays out. But um, yeah, fun times. Good information from Sean as always. This will be linked in today's show notes. So do check out the full article up on rotoviz.com. If you want to sign up and get yourself a ten percent discount at rotoviz.com, you can use the code RV Radio twenty twenty two at checkout. Hopefully, you will be as excited for the season as myself and Sean will be. We'll be keeping up the content coming your way. Hashtag content, Sean. We will be uh, having shows coming out this Thursday as well and, and lots more coming out. Um, great feedback on the recent shows we've been doing, so we really appreciate that as well. Until we are back with the next episode, though, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.